Welcome to the Spine Talk podcast, brought to you by Texas Back Institute. For more information about Texas Back Institute, visit www.texasback.com. Hello, I'm your host, Philip, and today we're joined by Dr. Tom Kostowski, a neurosurgeon at Texas Back Institute. Welcome, Dr. Kostowski. Thank you for having me today, Phil. I appreciate it. So today's topic for the podcast is about a newly FDA-approved treatment for ADHD that might help millions of people who suffer from epilepsy. Now, Dr. Kostowski, can you tell us how an FDA study, or how those work? Yeah, so FDA studies pretty much take a look at, one, the safety of a, of a device, and whether a device actually has proven benefit in regards to changing the disease course. So we have seen some articles about a mild non-drug option called Monarch, which is an external trigeminal nerve stimulation system, or an ETNS. This treatment has been approved by the FDA for children with ADHD, but adults with epilepsy and other neurological diseases and injuries might also benefit. So first question is, this device has previously been approved in Europe and Canada, and now in the U.S. What does the ETNS treatment do? So the way that this works is that it sends electrical signals to one of the uh, nerves of the brain called the trigeminal nerve. And this modified electrical activity then goes all the way up to the deep brain structures and modifies their activity and can alter the uh, function and activity of the brain centers that have an influence on ADHD or other diseases. Many of us know or have seen examples of how ADHD affects children, but can you tell us a little bit more about epilepsy and what that looks like? Yeah. So epilepsy is, very simply put, overactivity of the brain structure. So the the brain is normally conducting electrical activity. Now, when a seizure occurs okay, in, um, in epilepsy, what happens is that areas of the brain become overly active and they start to fire their neurons at higher rates that are uncontrolled. And then this can result in neurologic symptoms like convulsions where the patient is shaking their limbs and can pass out and lose consciousness. So could someone that has seizures have epilepsy or when does somebody need to be uh, concerned about epilepsy as a condition? So epilepsy is oftentimes diagnosed when you have multiple seizures. So uh, for example, in babies, babies can sometimes have a febrile seizure. Okay, if a baby has a febrile seizure once, that doesn't mean that they have epilepsy. But if a person has multiple seizures in their lifetime, then they can be diagnosed with epilepsy. So epilepsy is more of a condition where you've had multiple seizures in your lifetime for one reason or for another. And it should also be added that if you ever have a seizure, you should always seek medical advice. All seizures should be appropriately and seriously evaluated and treated. So this treatment could affect ADHD and epilepsy. Is there a link between the two, or is this just the same part of the brain that it's it's working on? So, yeah, there's no link between the two, but oftentimes brain centers can overlap with one another. Uh, epilepsy 
is a complicated disease because there's multiple different areas of the brain that could be causing uh, triggers for the seizures, okay? And, you know, one of the uh, areas that epilepsy can be triggered from also overlaps with areas that might be responsible for ADHD. This product was approved by the FDA for use in treating ADHD in children, uh, but it has been used for treating epilepsy, depression, traumatic brain injuries in Europe. How are these adult brain diseases and injuries similar to ADHD, which allows them to be treated by the same stimulation? So these are all similar in the aspect that to put it very simply, is that the neurologic system, the brain, is, is kind of, a, you can think of it as a system of wires and electrical. And if there is overactivity or underactivity, then you can have certain types of symptoms uh, occur. For example, if you have overactivity with, uh, of the brain, you can have, for example, seizures. And so seizures are overactivity of, of the brain. There are other types of diseases that result from, for example, underactivity. So, for example, Parkinson's disease, you have underactivity of certain areas and as a result start to have symptoms. So, modifying the electrical activity uh, can, as a result, alter these brain structures to work more normally. Um, and you know, the way that stimulation works, it's, it's very complicated because stimulation can both excite the neurons the, uh, of the brain or it can excite the centers of the brain, but also if you use certain frequencies, you can also decrease the activities of the brain. So electrical stimulation can both increase or decrease the activities of certain brain areas to do things that you want them to do or to behave the way that you want them to behave. It's very interesting. Is it common for medical devices, treatments, or medications to be approved for one condition and later be found to help in different conditions? Absolutely. And the best example of this is aspirin. So originally, all of us think of using aspirin for inflammation um, and Another very common use of aspirin that many of us are aware of is for it to be used for heart disease. Um, so that's a perfect example of one medication being used for totally different uh, purposes. So in your opinion, is this treatment likely to be approved at a later date for treating epilepsy or traumatic brain injuries? Absolutely. I mean... The, the FDA has very rigorous criteria for approvement or approval of devices, but if companies and investigators are able to rigorously demonstrate that a device is both safe as well as effective, there's lots of promise for this to be used in the near future. That's very exciting. Thank you, Dr. Kostowski. I appreciate your time and the great information today. For more information about Dr. Kostowski and other neurosurgical treatments, check out the blog at texasback.com. We would love to connect with you. Please join us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. And please subscribe to this podcast for more stories like this. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you in the next episode of the Spine Talk podcast.